right, well, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And my name is Dave Everett. This is my wife, Sherry. Anyway, we'll be continuing our Bible study tonight on the true nature of God. We're in chapter 5. We're going to be talking about God's grace for the believer. We started chapter 5 last week, and we're just going to continue on. <clears throat> Those of you following your books, I think some of our books are different page numbers, but we'll be under the section heading Following from Grace. So, are we good? Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, I just want to make sure our live stream was good. So, anyway, uh, again, so we're doing the True Nature God by, <coughs> excuse me, Andrew Womack, and uh, we're about halfway done. We're talking about the grace of God tonight. Just so you know, we do have a website, lighthousediscipleship.org. You can support our ministry there financially as well as. Uh, all of our Bible studies are archived uh, up to this point. Uh, you just go to our, our website. Also, we have a YouTube channel, uh, Lighthouse Discipleship Center, and you can find us there as well. We're even on Spotify under uh, podcasts for Lighthouse Discipleship, and that's just audio, not visual. But anyway, uh, anyway, uh, without further ado, once Sherry's uh, <coughs> excuse me dialed in here. Um, uh, she will narrate for us, read for us, and then uh, uh, we'll talk about it. So, whenever you're ready, Sherry. Alrighty. And um, the title of this section is calling is "Falling from Grace." So we're going to see what that is all about in just a second. All right. Whether we recognize it or not, every one of us has had attitudes of law, Old Testament attitudes that have crept into our relationship with God and made Christ of no effect to us in various areas of our lives. The Bible says we have fallen from grace. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, Ye are fallen from grace. Galatians 5, 2-4 Fallen from grace does not mean salvation is lost. It means we are no longer walking in God's grace, but according to the law. In effect, we are walking under our own effort and our own ability. We aren't utilizing Jesus as our Savior because our own efforts have become our justification to God. When believers say, God, look what I've done, it makes Christ of no effect in their area of need. It frustrates the grace of God. It also keeps God at arm's length in their relationship with him because within them is a knowledge of good and evil. That's a knowledge we have gotten from the law. Remember Romans 3.20? When we have been evil or not as good as we're supposed to be, The law makes us think God is going to give us the punishment we feel we deserve. Praise God that through Jesus' blood, we don't get what we deserve. People come up to me all the time and say, this just isn't fair. How come God answered somebody else's prayer and didn't answer mine? I want justice. They simply don't understand the grace of God. They are demanding justice, but it's because of his mercy that they haven't received what they deserve. In a sense, getting nothing is better than getting justice because if we really got what we deserved, we would all be hurting for certain. 
I used to develop pictures for a photographer, and sometimes when people came in and saw their pictures, they would say, oh, this picture doesn't do me justice. We would say, look, you don't need justice, you need mercy. Oh, that's bad. Thank God he has shown his mercy toward us through Jesus Christ. Many believers say, well, I don't understand why God hasn't healed me. I don't understand why so-and-so got their new car and I haven't gotten mine. I've been doing this and doing that and I've done all these good things. This isn't fair. When believers say these things, they're simply revealing they haven't understood God. In fact, by depending on their own works to get what they want, they have frustrated the grace of God. The grace of God through the sacrifice of Jesus is what brings everything to believers. Ephesians 1.3 says that God has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. But it all comes by grace through faith, as stated so clearly in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. An answer to prayer doesn't come through our own efforts. If we do not understand that, we are frustrating the grace of God and keeping our need from being supplied. The answer is supplied to us only because Jesus has paid for it with his own blood. All right. Thank you, Sherry. So, uh, again, we're talking about the true nature of God. And right now, and uh, we're about halfway through the book, but we're talking about the grace of God. You know, uh, let me just say this. In, in Andrew's book, he had a book on, uh, um, what's it called again? I know it's about the book of Romans, but I think it's the gospel of grace. Grace and faith? Uh, no, not that one. Uh I think it's the gospel of grace. Anyway, Andrew brings out that the word gospel and the word grace are used interchangeably in the in the book of Romans. Yep, grace and power of the gospel. Grace and power of the gospel. Um, anyway, uh, you know, this phrase from the Galatians chapter 5, following from grace, has been misunderstood by some people through the years. You can't fall from something if you have, don't have it already. You can't you, you can't fall from grace if you have never received it. And let's just define grace for a moment. Grace is defined as unmerited favor. You can't earn grace. If you can earn grace, it's no longer grace. Um, you can't earn mercy. Uh, grace and mercy are not something you can earn. He also brings up the subject of justice. Now, righteousness is also justification. But if we all got justice then we would all, in a sense, get hell. Because there's, not, there's, there's none righteous, no, not one. We all deserve hell. I don't care how good you are compared to me or how good you are compared to others. Uh, we are all guilty. And so God doesn't, doesn't judge us by justice. He judges us by mercy uh, through the blood of Jesus. If you receive Jesus, you receive his mercy. You receive his grace. Um, God's not going to bless you. God's not going to heal you based on your performance. If God can, is going to bless you based on your performance and based on what you've done right, then in a sense you're saying we don't need Jesus. God is going to bless you by His grace, by His mercy. 
And, uh, and that's how God operates. That's how the kingdom of God is. And so we just think, we, and, it, and it, there's a verse he brings out towards the end of the section from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Sorry, I lost my place, but uh, um, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourself it is the gift of God, and no, not of works, not same man to boast. God doesn't want you to boast in you. God wants you to boast in Him. And it's, and it's, it's, you're saved by grace through faith. It's not just grace and no faith, and it's not just faith and... Uh, well, make sure I, say, I want to say it both ways. It's not just grace and no faith, and it's not just faith and no grace. There are some, some camps, some, some groups, <clears throat> who preach all grace and no faith. And there are some groups who preach all faith and no grace. And they're both wrong. You can't, if you, you can't have faith without grace. What are you going to put that faith in? You. Uh, uh, you got to put that faith in grace for you to be saved. At the same point in time, if you have grace but you don't trust in that grace, instead you're trusting in your performance, uh, it's not going to work. Do we want you, does God want you to live godly <coughs> and right? Absolutely. But in a sense, that's not the goal of Christianity. The goal of Christianity is having a relationship with God. One of the byproducts, one of the fruits of having a relationship with God is walking in holiness, walking in righteousness, walking, having a godly life. It's a fruit. But the goal is a relationship with God. So that He can uh, live His life in us and through us. And if He's living His life in you and through you, He is going to live a godly life. He's going to live a holy life. Jesus is not going to live an unholy life. <coughs> but falling from grace is, I mean, you know, what's grace? I, I'm, grace is God's goodness. Jesus died on the cross for you before you were even born. Before you even wanted anything to do with him. You, God loved you. He died for you. He didn't die for you because you earned it. He died for you because... Of his love and his mercy and his grace. His goodness. And this is grace that we're saved through faith. We need to trust his grace. When you are trusting your performance. Instead of his grace. Or in place of his grace. If you're trusting your performance, you're not trusting Christ. Your performance needs to be... We want... <coughs> we're not... We're not talking that we're not saying that you don't have good works, but your good works are the result of, are the response of you trusting in His grace. The source is not you; the source is His grace. The source is Him. And when you start trusting in your law-keeping ability, then you stop. Then you stop trusting in His grace. The law led you to Christ. But now that you have Christ, you're not following the law, you're following Christ. Was that, does that mean that we don't keep the Ten Commandments? We still keep the Ten Commandments and whatnot. But the thing about the, the Ten Commandments and the law, the, the law can't make you holy. The law has no capacity to make you holy. Only the blood of Jesus can make you holy. You obey the commandments not to become righteous. You obey the commandments because you are righteous. You don't, you don't keep the commandments to stay righteous. You keep the commandments because you are righteous. You're righteous first. The law can't make you holy. Uh, you, 
Once you've broken the law, you're already unholy. And we've all broken the law. And so we're all guilty. And the law can't save you. The law can't redeem you. The law can't justify you. The law will give you justice, and that's death. That's why Paul calls the law the ministry of condemnation. He calls it the ministry of death. <clears throat> because the law can only condemn you. But, but His grace will restore you. And, uh, and so we're trusting His grace. If there's any good in you, if there's any good in me, it's not because of you, it's not because of me. It's because of Christ in me. It's because of Christ in you. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. And uh, we want to live good lives. One of the fruits of the Spirit is goodness. But the goodness is not you. The goodness is Him who's in you. And you want to trust that. The moment you get trusting in your... We, 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 want to, we want to see good performance. We want to live godly and remarkable lives. But we got to remember it's He who's doing the work, not you. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, the life by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You live your life by faith in his grace. So just live by his faith. And so, uh, you know, that, and we, we need that reminder all the time. You know, you know, if we're struggling, if we're struggling with sin, if we're struggling, you know, whether that be some type of addiction, gossip, uh, you know, uh, anything that's not, I mean, I could go on and on, but if you're struggling with sin, you're not trusting His grace. And if you're boasting in what you've done right, you're not trusting His grace. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. He only, His grace will exalt you. His grace will lift you up. It says in, in, in Psalm 89 that His grace will exalt you. His righteousness will exalt you. In his righteousness, you are exalted, it says. Uh, his, but he does exalt. He will exalt you. You don't exalt yourself. There's a difference. Um, and so, you, you know, when I teach humility, I always teach on the, the scene of David and Goliath. Because at the scene of David and Goliath, Saul and his army was wallowing in fear for 40 days. They were insecure because of Goliath. You know, insecurity is pride. When you're insecure, you, what, what's pride? Pride is focusing on yourself. And when you're insecure, where are you focused on? Yourself. <coughs> Saul and his ar armies were focusing on, they were comparing themselves to Goliath. But when David came on the scene, he wasn't focused on Goliath. He wasn't focused on Saul. He wasn't focused on how little he was. He was focused on his God. And he trusted his God. More than he trusted Goliath. More than he trusted how young and small he was. He trusted God. That's humility. See, the, Saul and his armies were comparing themselves with the Goliath. David was only comparing his God to Goliath. That's humility. Esther was the same way. She was... Humble. And so, trusting God is humility. Trusting yourself is pride. And what does God say? He gives grace to the humble. He, he resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. If you are boasting in yourself, there, you're going to find a resistance with God. Because he resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. 
Um, there's only one God who sits on the throne of us, not you. <coughs> he is your Lord and your Savior. And uh, he, His grace. But, uh, you know, let's not misrepresent that grace. Uh, God will, loves you. He will chastise you. He'll discipline you to teach you to, to, to trust in His grace, trust in Him. Hopefully I'm making sense. Anything you want to add, Sherry? I, I I know I know there's a, a couple of verses and Dave could probably teach on this much better than me because I I didn't get a chance to uh, find the verses I'm looking for. But when we think that the grace of God is teaching us that it's okay to sin then we don't understand the gospel at all. I don't understand grace. We, we don't understand grace. And it's kind of, I mean, there's there's so much to the gospel, but it all boils down to, like David and Andrew are saying, it's all because of Jesus, what Jesus has done. Not for anything that, that we could ever do, even if we had a really <clears throat> long list of all our accomplishments or all of the laws that we followed or how good we were because we could never measure up but because of it's what Jesus has done uh, that has given us this grace you know there's a verse in John that says that uh, I think we read it last week actually uh, for the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ John 1 17 Grace came by Jesus Christ. When when He came, that that's how we received grace. This sinless, perfect Son of God, Son of Man, came to be the perfect sacrifice. And Dave made a point this morning that I really appreciated that th there needed to be one sacrifice for all mankind. And it could only be a sinless, perfect man who was that sacrifice and he commented in his message this morning that Jesus went to the cross for us and, and died. If his sacrifice wasn't accepted, he would still be dead. But he was accepted for us and he rose again. The, God's resurrecting power raised him from the dead because he accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his own son for us. That is the only sacrifice and that is the only way that we have been given grace. But again, it's like Andrew and Dave are saying, it's gra grace and faith are working together. It's grace, uh, for by grace ye are saved through faith. Through faith in what? Through faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done. Because otherwise, we wouldn't have grace. And if people are saying, oh, well, we have God's given us grace. He's forgiven us. You can do whatever you want. You can go and sin. That's not the gospel. Grace teaches us not to sin. We are to awake to righteousness and sin not. God's grace and God's righteousness not only point to Jesus, but they... Point us in the right direction to not sin. Amen. All good stuff. Well, let's read. Let's have some more. Uh, let's read some more. Uh, the title of the section: Justified by faith, not performance.
Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. The whole book of Romans is basically teaching salvation by grace through faith, not through our own effort, not through adherence to Old Testament law, and not through our good works. Paul was saying that when we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only way we can really have peace with God. Did you also know that is the only way we can ever really have boldness to enter into the presence of God? We enter into his presence through firmly understanding the grace of God and putting our faith in it. If we are approaching God based on the merit of our good performance, we are going to approach God very few times. For most of us, the quality of our relationship with God is based on our performance, and that's wrong. If our salvation has been based on our performance, we wouldn't have been saved. When people realize their sinful condition, whether by the law or by the knowledge of God's goodness, they start looking to Jesus alone for their, their salvation. But then after they are born again, somehow they slip into the thinking that God's going to move in their lives in proportion to their personal holiness. Nothing could be further from the truth. I've had people come to me for healing and say, Brother Andrew, pray for me. I just don't know what is wrong. I've been fasting, praying, going to church, stating the word, paying my tithes, and doing all I know to do, and I just don't understand why God hasn't healed me. They revealed a lot to me right there, because they showed me that they were looking to what they had done in order to get God to heal them. They were saying, God, look at what good things I've done. Aren't you going to heal me? God doesn't heal us because of what we've done. Some may be disappointed and think that's a shame because they've been doing so well. But if we ever get a true understanding of God's standard, we would realize none of us have ever measured up to God's perfect standard. It's God's grace and mercy that bring us peace, joy, prosperity, healing, and all blessings based on Jesus' holiness and not our own holiness. Where did performance-based teaching come from? Believe it or not, it came out of God's word. It was a misunderstanding of what God was doing in the Old Testament law. In Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2, all the blessings of God appear to be conditional on the word if. There shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all of these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Verse 1 says that we have to do all of God's commandments, not just some of them. If we would just stop and think a moment, we would realize that we have never kept all of the commandments of God. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. James 4.17 Sin is more than just doing what you know is wrong. Has God ever told you to love your neighbor as yourself? I guarantee you, you haven't walked in that perfectly. You know to do more good than what you've actually done. If we look at sin from God's standpoint, none of us have measured up but Jesus. None of us have become sinless in our flesh, in our actions, and in our performance. We're all still missing the mark. 
Nobody fulfills Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 except Jesus and those who put their faith in what Jesus did instead of in their own performance. This is what Romans 5, 1 is pointing out to us. We will only have peace with God if we are justified by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and not our works. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation work, worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Romans 5, 2-7 When verse 2 talks about rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God, it is talking about anticipating the second return of Jesus, being glorified with him. Paul was praising God that one day we're going to be just like him because we'll see him as he is. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John 3, 2. In addition, Paul said we glory in tribulations in this present time. Right in the midst of all our trials and tribulations, we can glory. Paul was making a comparison. I'm not only rejoicing about the sweet by and by and thinking about what it will be like when we all get to heaven, but right in the rough spots today, praise God. I'm a total overcomer because of Jesus. The point he was making is, do you remember salvation? That God died for us? That's the reason I can have confidence that I'm going to overcome in the midst of tribulation because I know God has already done all these things for me. Paul was drawing a natural comparison when he asked, Can you think of anyone who would love you enough to die for you? If you were a righteous person, if your performance was good enough, you might find somebody who would be willing to die for you, but not very many because that's not the way people are. Then in Romans 5, 8, Paul con contrasted the point that he had just made. He said, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What he's, is, he was saying is that God did not give his love to us based on our performance. When we were still sinners, even haters of God, and still going our own way, God gave to us his precious gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the midst of our sin. He gave Jesus not when we deserved it and not when our performance earned it, but right in the midst of our sin, God commended his love toward us. Amen. You know, if we really understand his grace, it's just amazing things. I mean, God didn't just love us when we were, because we were deserving. God loved us when we were in the middle of our sin. God loved us and died for us when we were a sinner, having nothing to do with God, haters of God, some of us, and whatnot. God died for us. God didn't die just because he did, we deserved it. God died us because died for us because He loved us. And there's a big, there's an amazing, amazing 
difference with that. And so that's just a, that's a, that's a powerful, powerful truth. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I wanted to piggyback on here. Um, you know, the, the grace of God is just so, so marvelous. And, um, you know, and it bothers me when I see people misusing grace to teach it as a license to sin. Those people don't know grace at all. We, I get people all the time who say, "Hey, you're just teaching. If you're teaching, just the fact that I bring up grace, they automatically they haven't even heard what I have to say." <laughs> you know, I, I have a hard time when people judge people and they don't even hear them out. Uh, hear them out first, you know. And uh, that's the fact. I use the word grace. They think that I'm giving people a license of sin. People are already sinning without a license, <laughs> you know. And so uh, that's not grace. Those who teach that, those who and then they, they, they think that that's what we're teaching. Well, first of all, they haven't heard one message from me because that's not what we teach. And second of all, uh, they don't understand grace. Because grace, according to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, te- will teach you to deny ungodliness. Grace is awesome. Yes, it's unmerited favor, but grace will teach you. It's a teacher. And it will teach you to deny ungodliness. Paul says it. Five, five different times, Paul says, so am I, Paul said, five, five different times, Paul says, so am I saying that we can continue to live in sin? Sin? God forbid. In other words, Paul, five times, Paul had to address the argument that he's not teaching it's okay to live in sin. However, if when you're teaching the gospel, that question doesn't come up then you haven't preached the gospel the same way Paul has. The The obvious answer is no. God, Paul is not teaching. I'm not teaching. It's okay to sin. But if you teach the gospel in the proper way, that question should automatically come up. The obvious answer, the, the adamant answer is no. God forbid we're not teaching. It's okay to live in sin. But if you preach the gospel the way Paul did, that question should come up. Because it, it's, it's, <coughs> it, the gospel, when the gospel is presented the right way, it, it, all, it sounds like we're saying it's okay to sin, but we're not. We, grace will set you free from sin. It's his goodness that leads from repentance. But, but his grace, it's not based on, it was never based on your performance. He died for you when you were a sinner. You did when you were a sinner. You weren't performing well. <laughs> okay, when you were dead in your sins, you were not performing any goodness, and Christ died for you. That's His grace. He extended His grace when you had nothing to do with God. That's grace. And now that you are His child, He's not going to be gracious to you. That that you know that that, that doesn't make any sense. If he loved you when you were a sinner, how much more does he love you now? And how much more will he be gracious to you now? Is it okay to sin? No. But we, but we need to be taught to, to not sin. And we need to awake to his righteousness and sin not. It says that, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 34. It doesn't say, become, it doesn't say stop sinning to become righteous. It says, no, awake to his righteousness and sin not. There needs to be an awakening. Of his righteousness. And that awakening will enable you not to sin. 
if you're trusting your, you know, uh, let's talk about addictions, and there's all kinds of addiction. There, there can be, I mean, the obvious are sometimes alcohol and immorality, gambling, uh, pornography, drugs. whatnot. What? Drugs. Drugs. But gossip, lying, uh, you know, some people are addicted to TV. Some people, we were talking about addiction the other day. Some people are addicted to coffee. Nothing's wrong with coffee in and of itself. Don't get me wrong. You can have your morning. I don't drink coffee, so I'll probably make fun of it more. That's just because I'm joking with you. I'm not, you know, Andrew doesn't drink coffee. I don't drink coffee because I don't like it. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't, I only drink water. That's that's. I'm a water boy. So, but there's nothing wrong with it in and of itself. <coughs> but there's some people that are addicted to it. For example, we had one friend of ours, their boy had just broken their arm or something, I forget what it was, some type of injury, and before going to the hospital, he had to get his Starbucks, you know? Nothing wrong with Starbucks, nothing wrong with getting coffee, but your son has a broken arm. <laughs> Go take care of your son, and then get your coffee, you know? Some people, they can't live without the coffee, you know, they're, they're, so, they're so codependent on the coffee. <coughs> I mean, there's some things I like. I love chocolate, and I almost will have a piece of chocolate almost every day. There's been times I got up in the middle of the night to go to the store to get some chocolate because I didn't have chocolate in the house. I'm probably trying. I probably am towing the line with addiction in that. Uh, that you know, um, but at the same point in time, uh, you know, uh, I'm guilty. But I don't drink. I drink healthy. I just don't eat healthy. Uh, but at the same point in time, uh, there's all kinds of addiction. But, you know, and everything needs to be in moderation. I mean, when I was little, I don't remember this, but my parents told me. I ate so many carrots, I turned yellow. I think carrots are healthy for you. I'm not so confident that being yellow is a natural color uh, for what <laughs> I can be. I'm glad I didn't, I didn't turn into, I didn't eat blueberries and turn into a Smurf, you know. But, uh, you know, carrots are good, turning yellow Mm, not so good. I don't know. I mean, at least that was the only side effect that I know about, you know. But everything in moderation, you know. But that's besides the point. You know, addiction. You don't control the flesh by the flesh. You know, I had some addictions a while back. And, and it doesn't really matter what the addiction was. Addiction's addiction. And... Uh, Excuse me, you don't control the flesh by the flesh. And for so many years I was taught, change. How? Well, just change. If you didn't want to do it, you wouldn't do it. Every sin is pleasurable uh, for a season. You know, uh, every addiction is pleasurable for the season, but it doesn't mean it's good for you. And, 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 and I mean, most, most alcoholics that I've known or whatever, the, the hangover in the morning after, they, they regret or the gambler, after he lost all his money or whatever. Most of them have regret. <coughs> Excuse me. But, you know, how do you control the flesh? The Bible says in Galatians 5.16, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The key is walking with God. The key is a relationship with God. And he in you will help you. <coughs> he in you will, first of all, he'll change your desires over time. You know, change your appetites. But let him change your life. There might be, needs to be some disciplines. 
some of us may not be, you know, maybe you shouldn't go down that street or whatever to, to help, uh, you know, because you know A plus B equals C, so just take away A. There might be some things to, to help, but just because you're putting restraints not to have an addiction doesn't mean you're free. And so I want to be free from stuff. And only the gospel, only Christ can set you free. And only his grace can teach you free. We've had people in our, our ministry or are connected with our ministry when they understood righteousness, got set free from drugs, got set free from homosexuality, got set free from all kinds of different things. Uh, uh, depression or whatnot. So, um, you know, God wants to set people free and his grace will do that. Uh, his goodness will teach, will, uh, it is his goodness that leads us to repentance. To changing our mind and to change our appetites. And His grace. His grace is not a license of sin. His grace is a power to be free from sin. And so, uh, anything you want to comment? No, I, I really like this verse in Second Peter. Um, in verse 18, uh, chapter, sorry, Second Peter 3.18. He says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And if you, if you take this verse in Second Peter and go back to that verse in uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 that Andrew said a couple of uh, sections ago, for by grace ye are saved through faith. You know, the, the, the Bible, if you just do a word study on grace, it is throughout the whole Bible. And if God says it that many times in his word, th that's something to pay attention to. But if we're only saved by grace through faith, then what's another scripture on faith that you can stand on to grow in this grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're taking in God's word and hearing and hearing and hearing, faith, faith's coming, faith's coming. But it's by his grace that we have even have that that faith to live out this Christian walk, the, the grace to walk out this Christian walk. Um, but it's all through grace and faith together. Um, and it's not based on our performance. It's not, uh, we're, we're, we can't say it enough and as strong as Paul. Does grace allow you to sin or teach you that it's okay to sin? I mean, Paul says it very strong. God forbid! That's not what God's saying. If, if God was so harsh on sin that he crucified his own son because of sin and wanting relationship with us, why would he say, oh, go ahead and sin, it's okay? That doesn't, that, I mean, what, how does uh, Andrew say it, that God's not a schizophrenic? If God brutally crucified his own son for us to deal with sin, why would he say, go ahead and go and sin? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense at all. God is very harsh on sin. That's why Jesus went to the cross. But Jesus went to the cross for us so that, that we wouldn't be in bondage to sin anymore. No, I was going to pick you back on this earlier uh, uh, towards the beginning of the section. But Andrew says, did you also know that the only way we can ever really have boldness to enter into the presence of God 
we enter into his presence through firmly understanding his, the grace of God and putting our faith in it. The only way you can even really have a relationship with God as far as coming to his presence is understanding his grace. If you don't understand God's grace, you're going to be afraid of God. If you don't understand God's grace, you're going to be like Adam and hide from God. But when you understand the goodness of your God, you're going to come to him. You're going to come to him if you have a need. You're going to come to him if you need help. If you're going to come to him if like, Daddy, Abba, I can't break this. I, I have a bad attitude. I have, I'm struggling with this sin. I'm struggling forgiving this person. Whatever the case may be. Or, I need help. You know, saying I need help is going back to humility. That's humility. Jeremy Pearson, he's a... Uh, Kenneth Copeland's grandson, and he said he was teaching uh, a couple years back in the message we heard. Whenever we say, Lord, I got this, that's pride. Because we're trusting us and not Him. And, you know, I'm not saying that God doesn't want us to participate. And I'm not saying that the fruit of the Spirit is not also temperance, self control. But at the same point in time, I'm not trusting me. I'm trusting Him. I'm relying on Him to help me. And if there's any good in my life, if there's any self-control in my life, it's, see, self-control, temperance, is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of Dave, or you, or, or Sherry, or anybody else. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The source of that is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the seed. Uh, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And so... Uh, any, any of these attributes, goodness, kindness, anything that's not of faith is sin. So if, if anything that's not of faith is sin, anything I'm not trusting God in is sin. If you really think about that, to me that's very humbling. Uh, but either, either you're trusting, you know, Andrew says it this way, either you're living a life super, super, uh, supernaturally or you're living your life superficially. And that's true. Either this whole life, this whole Christian life, is a supernatural walk of walking in the Spirit. And either you're living a supernatural life or you're living a superficial life. And I don't want a superficial life. I want the real deal. And the real deal is really the supernatural. We have eternal life with God. And we are born again. The Bible says we are spiritual beings. Uh, it says that in Corinthians. Uh, uh, we have a life-giving spirit inside of us. And, uh, and so, um, you know, we live this life by faith. The just lives by faith. Faith in what? Us? No, faith in Him. The fruit of it will be uh, a holy, godly life. Doing good. And so, but we trust in Him. We're relying on Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm no longer I live, but the life I live, I live by the faith of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. He loved, he, God loved us and gave himself for us. But we have to put faith in his love. And that's how we live this life. Um, unless he has something else. Do you have something else? Do you have scripture? Um, just, I, I know Andrew brought out a point of people who are seeking God for, say, healing or have another prayer request that they're frustrated over that, that, uh, they think God has um, 
say heal this person over here but but not them and and they're confused and they're saying but god i've been good or god i've done this or god i've prayed or or god i've fasted or whatever it might be and they brought out the point is when we're focused on well haven't i prayed enough haven't i been good enough haven't i fasted enough hey god i'm fasting so you should move and, and heal me that's not how it works what what uh, I, I might have Dave piggyback on this because I feel like I, I don't have the, the right words at, at the tip of my tongue. But it's our, our, when we're trusting in our performance of, you know, why hasn't this worked for me? That's not <coughs> trusting in, in God. And th this might be a silly illustration, but Dave gave me this Bible uh, when we went to Karis Bible College. Uh, I had a Bible, uh, but he, he got me a new one. And um, there's even an inscription in it from him to me. But he gave me this Bible. It is, it is now mine. But if I said, Dave, give me the Bible, Dave would be like, well, he'd either give me his or he'd be like, I already gave you a Bible. Where's your Bible? And I'd be like, no, give me my Bible. And poor Dave, he'd be like, well, wait a minute. I already gave you a Bible. Why Why are you asking me for something I already gave you? And I'm not saying that, that God's confused. He is not confused. But I can imagine God saying, I gave you my son. He, he was crucified for you. He not only took away your sin, but it's by his stripes you are healed. Uh, is it? I forget where the verse is. I want to say Isaiah, uh, but it, but it goes through different things. Like, um, oh, I wish I could quote it for you, but it talks about like uh, by. Uh, mm, I think I'm getting my verses mixed up, but there's there's a verse that, that talks about that he was, that's a different, I think that's New Testament. Anyways, there, there's Old Testament verses that, that tell us what Jesus was going to do for us. And part of that was by his stripes we're healed, uh, that, that we're going to be sanctified through him, that he's going to take away our, our sin. And I'm sorry, I am so not saying the exact words of the verses. But there was a there was prophetic word in the Old Testament that this is what Jesus was going to do for us. And in the New Testament, Jesus did that. He fulfilled all that. He went to the cross, not just for our sin, but for to 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 heal us. And he's already given that gift of salvation. And salvation, the word, if you study it out in the Greek, that sozo talks about and it's it has so many means to it it's salvation it's wholeness it's de deliverance it's prosperity i think I'm, I'm leaving some stuff out but all of that is in the gift of salvation that jesus already accomplished at the cross so he has already given us this gift of healing but when we say okay god give me healing i want healing i'm praying for healing but but in my imagination, I'm kind of picturing God saying, but I gave you this gift. 
like like Dave giving me the Bible, I'm asking, I'm demanding it, and he's like, I already gave it to you. It's like I God's in my imagination saying, I can't send Jesus to the cross again. First of all, there was only one sacrifice, once going to the cross for all of mankind. And all of the healing testimonies that I've ever heard, and, that, and I'm just using healing as an, in as an example, all of the healing testimonies I've heard is not someone saying, I fasted so many days, I uh, read the Bible through so many days, I prayed nonstop for 50 days straight, you know, going through this list of, of things uh, that they've, they've done that would make them uh, worthy enough for healing. It's none of that. Every single healing testimony I've heard has someone saying fully on all of that, God's word says, I am healed. God's word says, he sent his word and healed them. God's word says that, in, in, in that Deuteronomy uh, verse uh, chapter that Andrew had, had started out with, I think it was that... I, Deuteronomy 28, where it talks about all the blessing of God. Nowhere in that is sickness. It says we're going to be in health. I mean, there's verses after verses after verses. I mean, there's so many different verses that I've stood on for my own healing. And it's only by God's word, what he has done, what Jesus has done, that I'm healed. It's not anything that I could ever do or measure up to. Um... And, and just a side note on fasting, um, people have, have said, well, you know, I, I fasted. It should move God. I fasted this many days. It should move God. God, I fasted. God, I fasted. But that's not, that's not what he's getting at. Even Jesus, when he was talking about uh, the certain demon in, in the young boy, he said, this, this only comes out by prayer and fasting. And he's not saying this is a, a big enough demon that you have to fast to get it out. He's saying, no, our faith has to change. And fasting and praying is a good way to do it. And one of the, the Bible teachers explained it this way, that, that fasting is, is not moving God, but fasting is, is moving your faith. And when you take the time to fast, whatever time that you take, say you're fasting food, which is the, um, the most common fasting, you take the time that you'd be sitting down to eating a meal and instead taking that time to pray and seek God and be in his word. So instead of your regular time, you add on to it the time that you would normally be eating, but spend that time to have more time with God so that you get in the right place in, in faith. And I hope I'm, I'm explaining clearly to you. Well, I was going to talk about fasting real briefly, and I, and I ah, Sherry pretty much uh, said most of what I was going to say, for the most part, you know. Before I went there, I was going to say, you know, Andrew quotes about how the lady comes to him, and I get people like this all the time, too. They'll come and say, Dave, how come God didn't answer my prayer? I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. How come God's not answering my prayer? And like Andrew says, they basically answer their own question. Because they're focused on them, what they did. They're focused on what they did this. They focus on they did that. Instead of focusing on what he did to the cross. They're focused on what they're doing, not what he did. That's the difference. Fasting, we know, 
uh, she she quoted it partially where um, the the boy was throwing himself in the fire and the and disciples couldn't heal him. And the father came to Jesus and says, I believe I help my unbelief. And Jesus said, this only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, we believe in fasting. Don't get us wrong. We teach on that. But fasting, as Sherry was saying, doesn't move God. It moves you. Fasting gets you focused on God. Fasting enables you to shut everything down so you are focused on God. God, again, fasting doesn't move God. It moves you. God's not the one stuck. You are. Usually the case. Again, God's never stuck. Yeah. And, and it, it gets our focus back on it. What, 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 what doesn't, what, it wasn't about the demon being moved by fasting. He was dealing with our unbelief. He says, I have faith, but I help my unbelief. How do you help unbelief? Believe, un, what, what is unbelief? Unbelief is belief that's un. Unbelief is believing in something else but God. It's wrong belief. Worry is belief. You're usually worrying about the wrong thing. Fear is worry, is faith in the wrong direction. And how do you overcome fear? How do you overcome <coughs> unbelief? Put your faith in God. Where does faith come from? The Word of God. So fasting is getting your, getting your heart, your emotions lined up with God. God's not going to answer your, your, your prayer because, Oh, look at him or her. She's fasting. It's not based on your performance. It's based on Him. But when you shut everything else out and focus on Him, food, or it could be other things, or all of the above, you focus on Him. And if it's based, if fasting is based on your performance, then then did Christ accomplish anything? Because now we're boasting in what you're doing and not Christ. Something's wrong with that. And so, fasting's good. Fasting's, fasting's healthy. Jesus taught on fasting. Uh, it's, it's taught in the New Testament. But we're, we're focusing on... But it's all, the, the other principle that's taught in the New Testament is that we're focusing and trusting Him, not us. So we have, to, we have to marry these two concepts. And so, don't trust you. Trust Him. And there's some, there's some things that we can... Fasting is only one of the tools. It's a tool, but you know, there's some other thing. You know, I know there's times I'm not, I'm not responding in faith. There's some some days I'm just in a bad mood. There's some days where I'm just frustrated. There's some days when I'm uh, I've been hurting uh, emotionally because maybe someone hurt me or or a situation. Uh, how do I get my heart back in gear? Sometimes I will listen to worship music. Sometimes I will listen to teaching. Sometimes I'll get in the Word of God. Sometimes I'll go for a prayer walk. Sometimes I will fast. And sometimes I need to put my, uh, get my body and my mind and emotions to, you know what? My body wants to be in charge. And fasting is one way of saying, you know what? You're not the boss. And, you know, I'm going to discipline my body to, to, to focus on God and not itself. You know, my body can be very selfish. When it's <laughs> hungry, it wants to eat. Yes. When it wants to sleep, it wants to sleep. Uh, other things. And, and so I'm not going to let my body tell me what to do. I'm going to tell my body what to do. I'm going to say, body, be healed in Jesus' name. I'm going to speak to my body. Speak to my ears. 
different things and tell my body what to do. And fasting is one of those things, in addition to what I already said, is one way that we can get our body to learn to submit. And so, but as more importantly though, uh, it just, it's, it's getting my focus on God. And, uh, uh, but if, 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 even if we fasted, and the fasting is a good thing, it's a healthy thing for Matt, one, one, but I don't do it for those reasons, but it can be a healthy thing. But if you fasted, if you prayed, if you gone to church, if you read your Bible, and you are patting yourself on the shoulder for what you did, you know, what did you, why? Why would you pat yourself on the shoulder for that? And it's a good thing, don't get me wrong. We need all those things, but we have, those things are not the solution in and of themselves. Going to church is so we can keep focused, so we can be a body and we can encourage others and we can get fed ourselves. But Christianity is not about going to church. The church, the church is, it's just healthy to read our Bible. It's healthy to go to church. It's healthy to pray. It's healthy to fast. And uh, and sometimes we just need to, you know, there's times where in our relationship, we know we live life, we do life, we do we go through our normal routine, we relax most evenings and whatnot. But then there's sometimes we just, you know what? Let's get out of Dodge for today. <laughs> you know, let's go for a trip. Let's go on a vacation, whatever it might be. There's been some times we just get in the car and just, you lead us away, car. We're just going to go for a drive, and where we end up, that's where we'll be for a little while. You know? There's some times where we just need to spend some quality time together. In one sense, that's a form of fasting for uh, our relationship. But there's some times where i got to shut everything else out and get focused on God and shut off all the other noise and music and, and, and other things and get alone with God. Which it can be, uh, you know, food and all that stuff too. You know, there's sometimes I fast and I'm not even intentionally trying to fast. There's sometimes I fast and I'm intentionally trying to fast. Don't get me wrong. But there's sometimes I'm so busy. I've been so, spending so much time in God's Word and different things. I forgot to eat. <laughs> you know? And, and, and that's not so much the fast that we're talking about. But, but that, that has happened though. And, uh, you know, and, you know, he, uh, it's just uh, get caught up in God's presence. And get into those signs where, you know what, I just need to, I just need to shut everything down. And hear from God, and uh, and get my heart back focused, so I can. In one sense, by fasting, I'm starving my unbelief. But if I come out of the fasting chamber, if you will, if I can just put in that terminology, and I start boasting in me, then in one sense, you didn't accomplish anything, because you got your focus back on yourself. And it's not about what I did. God's not going to move because He saw you suffering and fasting. God's going to move if you trust Him. Uh, God operates out of faith. He responds to faith. Boasting in yourself is not faith. And anything that's not a faith is sin. <laughs> so in one sense of the word, if, you can, if you're boasting yourself, whatever good thing you did, you just sinned. Because you're boasting in yourself. The activity wasn't sin, the boasting was. Uh, the, the not trusting God was a sin. Hopefully I'm making sense. I'm not trying to put down fasting, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just like, the key is to trust God. And uh, when you're saying, how come God hasn't answered my prayer? Because I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done that. Well, in one sense, you've just answered your own question. Because you're focused on what you have done. 
Everything you've done might be the right things, but you're trusting you. You're, and that's the difference. You can do all the right things and yet do it the wrong way. And it's not so much what you do, it's who you're trusting in. And those things that you are doing, going to church, fasting, prayer, and all that, should lead you to trust God, not you. Those are tools. Those are resources to help you to create an environment to trust God. When you plant a plant, you might use a shovel. You might use a spade. You might use a, a hoe. You might use uh, different instruments. But th th those are not going to make the plant grow. The soil, you would need to cultivate the soil and do different things, water it. But we, we sow and God gives the increase. You know, you're, the, the, the shovel is not the, the hoe, the shovel, the little spade is not the source. But they are tools to create an environment so it can grow. So it can be productive and, and reproductive and fruitful. And so they're not, a, they're not a means of themselves. I'm not worshiping church. I'm not worshiping reading the Bible. I'm worshiping the God of the Bible. Uh, the Bi the Bible is not the ink. The Bible is a person. And I'm going to spend some time with my God. And so is that making sense? Uh, the, the goal is trusting God. The goal is always trusting. And whatever we got to do, and you know, if you are have a again, I keep saying this, but and we're going to be talking about uh, the, the need for a local church on Wednesday night. But um, if uh, if you have, if you will stay, you know, it's one thing to need healing once in a while, but it's, a, it's an even better thing to walk in divine health where you don't need healing. That's even better. And so, if you have a healthy environment of going to a healthy church. A healthy time with God and, and relationship with God on a regular, daily, day in and day out basis. And, and, and it, that, that is just a healthy environment for the seed of God's Word to grow in every area of your life. And, and even then, once in a while, we need to do some weeding. And uh, because it's a matter of thoughts, other, other concepts, some of our flesh gets in the way, and we got to just do some fine-tuning. As I said this morning, perfecting that which is lacking in our faith. And sometimes we just need some tune-ups. And going to church, being pastored, <coughs> being admonished by the body of Christ, you know, exhort one another daily, admonish one another daily. We need the admonishing. I need to be admonished. I need to be sharpened. I associate with some other pastors and friends. I need to be encouraged. There's times I need to listen to my own message. You know, uh, whatever the topic might be. You know, we all need to, <clears throat> you know, we, we, we marvel at people like Andrew Womack, but then he also spends a lot of time praying. He spends a lot of time praying in the Spirit every day. He spends a lot of time in God's Word. But you know what? If he stopped praying, if he stopped spending time with God, if he stopped praying in the Spirit, if he stopped uh, going to church and different things, he's not going to be as sharp as he is now, or, or has been. You know, it, it, uh, so... He has to make, how do you maintain that? Is there a performance being done? Yet yeah, there's a performance, but God's not blessing you on this performance. See, your God's not going to, 
God's not going to answer you based on your performance, but your performance may change your perception of God. For example, if your performance is going to church, reading the Bible, fasting, and praying, it's going to change your trusting and reliance on God. It's going to move you, not God. To move you, and it's going to create the environment to trust Him. If, if, if we do these things and don't end up trusting God, to me, they were pointless. But if we do these things and they increase our faith in trusting God, they were fruitful. And if you come out of a conference or church and you're trusting the pastor or this or that instead of God, something's wrong. But if at the end of the fast, after the end of praying, at the end of worshiping God, at the end of spending time in God's word and going to church, you are trusting God, then it was good. But if you're trusting you, then, uh, that's not so good. You know, I'm not saying it's, in one sense, after you fast and go to church, uh, it's, not, it's wrong to say good job. It is a good job. But I'm, I'm, more, I'm more impressed that there's been fruit in the, your life because you're trusting God than I am about, look at what you're doing. Am I making sense? What you're doing may be good, but what you're doing is just cultivating an environment for you to receive from God. Uh, am I making sense? And so uh, the goal is fruitfulness. The goal, you know, I mean, you can, for example, a farmer or a gardener, you might say, good job, you spent all day working in the field. Well, it may be good, it may not have been good. We'll know if it's good if there's fruit, if there's a harvest coming. You know, you can work all day in the field and, and, and not, you can go all day fishing and not catch a fish. Or you can go all day, you can spend a few hours and, and a few minutes and catch a lot of fish. The goal wasn't just spending all day out there, even though some people who fish probably like their environment. But the goal of fishing is to catch fish. The goal of, far the goal of farming, gardening, is to have a harvest. You know, you can work all, and some of us have done this, we've worked all night catching nothing. You do know Peter. <coughs> There's a lot of fish stories about Peter, and, and every single one of them, he caught nothing <laughs> without Jesus. But every time Jesus came into the equation, he got a boatload. Uh, twice he got a buttload. One time he got coin to pay taxes. You know, uh, Jesus Peter wasn't a very good fisherman. It seems like, and I'm not being just I'm being facetious, but you know, sometimes we spend all night. We spent years, hours, years, decades. Sometimes it seems a lifetime, and caught nothing. Well, I think it's time to, you know, it's insanity to keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. That's insane. That's the definition of insanity. If you keep doing the same thing and not getting a result, it's time to change something. And so, uh, you know, we're seeing results. We're not perfect, but we're seeing results. And Andrew's seeing results. And so, um, so anyway. There's a verse that, that talks about tasting the goodness of God. And there was a series of days I listened to I want to say it says righteousness one that in our Bible classes, but he had this thing that he said had this saying that that made me laugh, but it was it really was true. And you know we we're pointing out Andrew a lot because it, we are going through his books for our Bible studies, but he is a good example, and and I can even point out with Dave, but Dave's the the silly example that 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 Dave gave 
was the example of eating a bag of chips. He, he said some people can eat a, a chip and walk away because they made themselves. I'm only going to eat one chip. I'm only going to eat one chip. But he said on the inside, they're really wanting more. And I forget which chip it was, but it was you could, the, the, the commercial was like, you can't just eat one. You, you know, you're, you're going to eat more. But all of these men and women of God that we use as examples have tasted the goodness of God in their own relationship with God. And they are in the word every day. They are praying. They, they are fasting. They are worshiping God every day. They're, they're having a, a relationship with him. And Andrew, and he, and he even talked about, you know, when he, he first got on fire for God, um, he had gone to Vietnam, and he was just, there was nothing really other besides being, doing his soldier stuff. Uh, there was nothing else to do but being God's word. And because that's all he did, and he was in God's word, and he talked to God and talked to God and talked to God, he was tasting so much of God's goodness that he wanted more, like that bag of chips, just not being able to eat one, not eating, eat, you know, just one M&M, you know, you want more, you want more. And it, it's, it's when you have a relationship with God and you're tasting his goodness and you're seeing his results in your life because you're trusting in him, you're not satisfied with that one chip from God. You want more. And the more you get from God, the more you want from God. And your relationship just grows and grows and grows and you're fruitful. And that's what we want for, for all of you. That's what Peter's saying when he wants you to grow in the grace of knowledge of God. If you're satisfied with one chip, if you're satisfied with not being healed, if you're satisfied with, with not going to church or once in a while or, or not fellowshipping or whatever, you're only going to get the one chip result. But if you really have truly have tasted the goodness of God and just are so hungry for him, you're going to want more and want more and want more. And the more you're in God's word, the more you're getting revelation of his word, the more your faith just explodes and you will see the results, the fruit of that faith and of that righteousness. And the more... And, and a lot of the stories I tell are all on me. I've struggled with understanding fasting. I've struggled with understanding prayer. I've struggled with understanding healing. But the more and more revelation I'm getting because of being in God's word and, and walking out my relationship with God, that's all I want. You know, there are sometimes we go to different gatherings and we are so bored because no one's talking about God. They might be talking about sports, they're not talking about their health, or this, that, and the other thing. And it's all fine and good, and I'm interested because I'm interested in you. But when you get me going on God, I just, I I'm practically can't speak fast enough. And all my words come tumbling out because I am so excited because we're talking about God. We had a pastor friend uh, ask us a loaded question uh, recently um, he said, in your own words, uh, d describe the gospel of, of grace or explain in your own words the gospel of grace. And I, I just, I, I was like, you want the long version or the short version? Because I don't think I can tell you the short version. You're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ and what Jesus did for me. And I mean, I, I just, I wanted to like shout from the mountaintops. It, this is 
God we're talking about. This is Jesus, the Savior of the world, the desire of all nations. And you want me to just succinctly tell you what the gospel of grace is? I don't know if I, I could do it. And, you know, I had to to keep it somewhat short. I don't think it was too short. But because Dave needed time to give his answer, too. But when you have someone, say, like Andrew or someone who's tasted the goodness of God, whose daily life is walking with God and being in his word and praying in the spirit, they're not content with 10 minutes or listening to a Sunday sermon and nothing else for the rest of the week. They want more. And they are seeing results in their life. They're seeing blind eyes healed. They're seeing people raised from the dead. They're seeing the goodness of God in all areas of their life. And we're not saying they're not going through hard times or uh, attacks or whatever turmoil in their lives. But they're over to uh, overcome all of that because God's first in their minds. And they are the ones seeing result. Uh, I, I laugh with Andrew uh, in, in a, a way because I, I could personally in my mind be like the guy that approached Andrew um, in, in the past. This guy came up to Andrew and complained, I've never raised anyone from the dead. And Andrew, uh, bless his heart, was, was cooking the ball and listening to the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, how many have you prayed for to be raised from the dead? And the guy was like, none. And Andrew says, well, that's why you haven't seen anyone raised from the dead. Andrew had in, in his uh, uh, ministry, his, his relationship with God has prayed. He probably has lost count because uh, of all the years of ministry of how many people he's prayed for, how many people have raised from the dead, how many people have been healed, how many people's lives been changed because of the gospel. Um, because, because that's all his, I mean, if, if you, you cut his arm, Jesus would bleed out because he has such a relationship with God. And that's like any man or woman of God who we highly esteem because they share the gospel with us. They've tasted that goodness of God. They see results because that's where their faith is. And when someone, and hey, I've been there and I still struggle at times where my faith isn't where, okay, God, I want healing. How come you're not healing me? I want it now, God, aren't I? Don't you love me, God? You know, just, I hope I'm making sense and I hope you're understanding. Because um, my heart hurts for people who are not seeing results of their life uh, by praying and, and struggling and hurting why God hasn't answered their prayer. And I really hope I'm making sense and, and if you need clarification please reach out to Dave and I we'd love to pray for you we'd love to explain further if if you're confused by anything we, we've shared tonight uh, but again uh, this whole uh, th th these Bible studies uh, Dave on Sunday morning we're, we're just trying to share the gospel with you trying to help you uh, uh, see the will of God in your life and the gifts that God has placed in you because he has a plan and purpose for you. Uh, he has lovingly created and designed each person for a specific purpose and we want you to grow in the knowledge 
the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We want you to fulfill your dreams and all that God has for you. Well, we're out of time for tonight, so that's all good stuff. So it just seems like the time always flies. So, but uh, we'll pick it up here next week. Uh, we have a Bible study, like I said, on uh, Wednesday night at seven. We'll be talking about the, the importance of going to church, and uh, so and that will be, I believe, the topic uh, uh, on Wednesday. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray that each of us, and even if we've been walking with you for a while. We would all have a fresh revelation of your nature, of your na- of who you are, and and Lord, and that we would take our relationship with you to new levels, to a new, fresh intimacy with you. And Lord, we just thank you for your amazing, amazing grace. In the name of Jesus, I speak a blessing over everyone who's listening. And who will listen to this message. And uh, we speak blessing to families. We bless this country. And we bless our president. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. And we'll see you on Wednesday. And uh, anyway, blessings.